Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Linux Downtime. I'm Joe. I'm Gary. I'm Amalith. I'm Phelan. And I'm George. Good to talk to you all. Welcome back, George, and welcome, Phelan, for the first time to this particular show. People may know you from uh, Late Night Linux. Howdy. So, Phelan and George on one show, this can only mean one thing. You're going to have a row. <laughs> Are we arguing? We are arguing, yes. Yeah, you're going to have a row about immutable file system distros. Now, what's going to hopefully happen here is Phelan's going to outline his concerns, and George, you're going to allay those concerns and fears, and Phelan will be installing Ublue by the end of the uh, recording. <laughs> I'll have you know, I even fired up Kinoise for the last day just to see what it was all about again, because I couldn't remember it from last time. We we're pronouncing it right now. We're definitely, we're definitely improving. I did yeah. geology. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> right. So, Phelim, what are your main concerns with this type of Linux desktop? I guess they are concerns. They're not very staunch. You know, I'm not worried for the future massively, but I do have concerns that we're going to turn a nice, flexible, adaptable Linux, which is can be as small as you want it, into a monolithic image-based, have it in one lump, need to restart every time there's a, a single file update, you know, nano gets a patch, reboot your machine to take advantage of it. We're trying to drive everybody towards this way of doing things for very much in quotes, security and consistency when... I'm not entirely convinced about the security side of it. It'll be consistent, all right, but I have never struggled with inconsistent distros. Maybe I've just been lucky, but it seems like a very overly complicated way and a very hacky way to do this on top of the current system where I think so far we've done really well in the fact that you can look behind the curtain on a Linux distro. You can, with just a bit of poking, see things. This isn't like, OS 10, Mac OS, whatever it's called now, or Windows, where, you know, you take what you're given, you can't touch it, and, you know, you don't get to play in the background, whereas we do and always have. And I think that has been our sort of superpower is the fact that people have been able to do that. Wow, there's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> so where are we starting? You've got 30 seconds, go. Are we starting with the flexibility? <laughs> so I get it. I understand. The thing I usually try to tell people is you're doing everything that you're doing now you're just adding an extra stamping process at the end. So if you're using Linux now and you're totally happy with it, I'm not a threat to you. You see, I don't buy that, right? Because I'm pretty sure when Linux was going on and on about SystemD and how, well, if you don't yeah. like it, do your own thing. And, well, yeah, you could use Dev1. Oh, cool. Yeah, me and all the 10 guys will go over and use that. Yeah, it'll be great. Mm. And we'll get it all tested and it'll be brilliant. Whereas I think reality is if something with the backing of Red Hat and some other players rolls that way, pretty much everything goes and rolls with it. And, you know, that's just tough. It's de facto standard is also a standard. So are we talking about immutable Linuxes or are we talking about System D? Because that did solve a lot of problems. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm using System D as the example. I mean, I like System D, it's fine. I know some people okay. didn't, but try to avoid it now. And I think you are facing a a fair uphill struggle or a very small niche distro. I would agree with that. Yes. But I, I, the, what I worry is that you saying that immutable is not a threat. Well, immutable might go that way too. And then it's a case of, oh yeah, there's me and, you know, Amalith and me will make our own distro uh, and you can't play. <laughs> well, old distros don't go away. So Fedora will still be there. There's the methodology, the packages, 
all the processes that your distro, whatever distro you use, uses, they don't go away. If Fedora says, let's make the immutable the main one that we link to on the website, the RPM packagers don't not show up that day for work. I mean, not yet, but, you know, give that six months, a year, two years, and they're gone. Yeah, but what, what would you replace them with? It's an additional step at the end. And I think a lot of the processes that are used to make distros are reusable. We're just kind of stamping them out at the end. I would probably make the same argument you can make for System D. For all of the loud minority that is complaining about System D, how many people have actually had to debug someone else's homemade bash sysinit script? I haven't had to do that in 15 odd years, however long it's been. Like the industry decided that System D was going to be the standard. And some people don't like that. And that's your choice. But if you show up to work and you say, I'm going to rip out all of production because I want to replace this, the init demon, like people don't even have those conversations at work. Do they? I hope not. <laughs> so I think that when you have a problem that is solved in a certain opinionated way, it does lead to people kind of being wary about it. One of the things that does attract me to it is that it is being well-funded by Red Hat and they're using, in this case, OS tree. It's well-funded. They're going to use it for OpenShift. And I'm going to use me as a cloud native person. I'm going to use that to my advantage to take advantage of that thing that I can use for free. However, if you could say, well, I don't really like that. The composability of RPM OS tree is too complicated, or I just want a more normal looking thing. You can also just grab OpenSUSE micro OS that looks like OpenSUSE. It feels like OpenSUSE. And it's just using file system snapshots. So it's similarly-ish to what traditional distros are doing. But if you don't want any of that, you know, George says, I have to set up a CICD pipeline now and, you know, make my own image and make my own custom image, things like that. I don't think advanced users that want a little bit of customization would be interested in things like that. But I think what we're seeing right now, what we're seeing a little bit in Universal Blue is people start to kind of congregate around things that are important to them. So right now, there is no one person that's saying, I'm going to make the smallest tiling window manager. You mentioned the example of a really small image. All that takes is someone saying, okay, I'm going to make a really small image. Right now, the focus, at least that I'm seeing is a lot of people are actually trying to add things to their image because it removes so much more of the complexity that people are kind of willing to make that sacrifice. But to counter that, though, if you want to make a really small installation with a tiling window manager or something with Fedora, that is just a few DNF commands at the moment. You don't need to know about building an image. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying that all Linux users need to learn how to make custom images and Instead of right-clicking on your desktop, you're going to have to go into GitHub to get Vim installed on your image. I think what's going to happen and what is happening is little communities will be forming around these images, and you're just going to pick one, like how you pick a distro now. Yeah, but do we not end up diluting ourselves more than... I mean, it seems like we were almost getting to the point where we had some good, strong candidates. We had a very reliable system. Steam is now doing well on Linux. And now we're going, well, why don't we split this all up? Is it reliable, though? Well, yeah, I think it is reliable. I'm, I don't have issues with my machine. How long have you been using Linux? Uh, since, I don't know, late 90s. <laughs> but 
I use it as my daily driver. I do my work in it. I don't use any other OS. And if I'm going to do risky stuff, I fire up a VM because I know a VM can be literally blown away and not matter. I know if I'm going to run anything dodgy in it, it's really contained. It's not hopefully going to be containerized in some way. It's almost as close to a physical box that it can be in. So I, I tried a Kinaway out because I haven't used it in so long that I said, okay, I need to try it again. And there was an update to the image for several packages. And I would have thought, well, surely it should be so small that it's only system stuff that's getting updated in the in the image. And maybe that's where you're talking about. Maybe it's more work if they do it that way. But I literally installed a few packages and it said I need to reboot. This just seems like a crazy situation where we've, we've, we've got this reliable system. We can have thousands of hours of uptime and now we've got like a nano is getting an update and I need to now reboot my PC to take advantage of it. It's just weird. Whereas I, I would have thought it would have been far more integrated with say flat packs where you would have as much stuff in flat pack as possible, but it doesn't seem to go that way. Usually my image I treat as one whole, not as an individual package. So the things on my image, it's like a basic GNOME desktop with some extra bling on it. Fedora does update a lot. So that day it might be nano, it might be glibc, it might be the kernel, it might be those other things on that image. But that's generally transparent to me. Like I don't, I don't sit there and say time to reboot. I have a new nano. I just kind of use, use my computer and then the updates just come to me. The problem I would have is the fact that you have to do that reboot. That's a huge break in time. Like right now I've, I have a bug with KDE that I have to log out and back into my session. I think it's a mess of bug. Mm-hmm. That you think, oh, log out and back in. What? No big deal. It's a massive deal. Yeah. Losing your session sucks for sure. I've got all the SSH connect sessions to with yeah. all the different clients to fire back up, reconnect to the VM machines. You know, they're still running, obviously, but it's a mess and it takes so much out your, your day where you go, oh, Christ, I need to do that now because I'm, you know, you're getting black windows, whatever. And that's a huge thing. And like, if I look at the Kinoi setup I've got here, there's two images. There's the main image and the fallback image. And I, I was like, well, where's Firefox then? And I look for Firefox. Firefox is in that image. I would have expected to see Firefox would be a flatback. It is not. Firefox 112 is inside that image. This is like Windows. The worst thing about Windows is doing updates on Windows because they're just amorphous, massive blobs that come in. And we're lucky that, you know, these come down quick. But I don't want to be taking huge massive chunks of data down just for one tiny thing. It's bizarre. So this is a area that I actually disagree with Fedora's doing. I don't think browsers should be on base images. And on my personal, in my Bluefin image, I remove that. For Universal Blues, the initial images, the main and NVIDIA images, we try not to editorialize too much of what Fedora's trying to do. The first cut actually... I ripped out all that stuff. I was like, I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to fix this distro and take it that last 10%. And some people like that, but I also got a lot of people who were like, look, I just want Codex. Don't make the editorial decisions for me. So us as a project, we kind of looked. I said, well, I really hate that RPM Firefox. It is not good. <laughs> but you also kind of have to respect Fedora's decisions there. Well, here's an interesting idea. Is it, is it because they feel that Flatpak is in some way deficient for some of the packages, maybe? I'll give you an example. It's a Snap-based example, and I, I'd be suspicious that Flatpak is similar. Mm -hmm. I was at a client's office, and they said, Open Office is not opening stuff off the desktop properly. I was like, right, what do you mean? And so they, they fired it up. 
it was actually turned out to be a Samba share off to a Windows box. And Snap wouldn't access that. You had to copy the file locally and open it that way. I thought, what? These are the kind of issues that going from an OS that where everything is everywhere to everything is going to be sandboxed Android style, where it's like you have to give things explicit permission and things like that. So those are just transitionary things that still need to be solved. I know. I, I happen to have two whingy examples that happen to... Oh, no, that's... I mean, people have these. Yeah. Does that not make the system sort of... I don't want to say shoots holes in it, but if there's that many problems with it... You're not going to wake up one day and it's going to be like all the Flatpak apps now just magically work <laughs> with your Samba shares. Hi. This is a model transition. And the problem that needs to be fixed is applications and certain intersections of those applications with what user expectations are do not fit the current model that we're trying to go for. Like if phones had already existed and then you introduced Android, you'd have the same problem, except Android kind of came that way. When you're on your Android phone, is there an app that lets you just browse shares? File browser does it for me. Uh, Certainly the one I install from Android does. I don't know what you can see everything with it, mind you. Yeah, I'm just curious because a Linux out there with this model has solved that. So my question is kind of, what does the UX look like? Does it ask you for permission? Like if you had a tablet and you brought it in there and you wanted to browse the share. To be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, before you came on, me and Amelth were bitching about exactly Android. So I let him shout about this one. My problem with immutable file system distros is that they seem to be striving to replicate the Android model of interacting with your system. Everything's in a container. Those applications don't have access to your file system unless you explicitly give that permission and things like that. And I really don't want that UX paradigm on my desktop. There's so much friction just trying to use my device in, I guess, more of an advanced way as like a a developer sysadmin type person that I am. I would not want my desktop to be like my phone with all these pop-ups and asking for permission and having to not having the concept of a file system, having to share a file from one app to another. And and it's just a pain, honestly. I don't really have an answer to that. I mean, (laughs) it's all your fault is what it is. (laughs) The ones that get me are always the day zero ones definitely get you. So if you buy a new SSD, for your Steam, right? You need a new two terabyte drive because games are crazy now, right? And you mount it to FS tab. It doesn't show up in the Steam flat pack at all in the window. You have to explicitly set an override. And that's really annoying. However, my setting up a new disk in Linux checklist went from like three items to four items. And that's just something that I've gotten used to and I've just documented for myself. So I get a new disk. I have to make a system D unit. I'm sorry. Do you all mangle your FS tabs or do you make system D mount units? I'm just curious. FS tab. FS tab. FS tab. -tab. Really? All of you? Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So I have to make a (laughs) system D mount unit because I I like to have one file per drive because I keep all that in Git. And then I add the flat pack override and it just becomes another thing. The problem that I think needs to be solved as a whole is adding a new disk in Linux sucks for end users including editing the FS tab, setting the Flatpak override, and there's no GUI. Like the best thing is that the one that I've used, that GNOME disk editor thing. I'm not asking my dad to use that because that's not going to work for him. 
So in a way, I think that the problem that needs to be solved is adding extra disks is not user-friendly. That's fair, but you could also say we could go back to the days of the format wars of the disks, right? The pre-formatted floppies where it was, this one's Windows, this one's Mac. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just need to get hard drives that come with Linux, right? It says extended for it. There you go. There's half your problem solved. But then you'd have an argument about whether it's uh, XFS or XT4 yeah, or yeah, FS yeah. or... We just do them all. Just do them all. It's fine. <laughs> okay. This episode is sponsored by Factor. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip chopping, preparing, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat them up and enjoy. Looking for calorie-conscious options this summer? Try delicious dietitian-approved Calorie Smart Meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. My two-and-a-half admins co-host, Jim, tried Factor and said the meals were quick and easy to prepare and liked that there was plenty of variety. So support the show and go to factormeals.com LDT50 and use code LDT50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code LDT50 at factormeals.com slash LDT50 to get 50% off your first box. Quick bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. And remember that for various amounts on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed of either just this show or all the shows in the Late Night Linux family. You can get a link to the Patreon at linuxdowntime.com slash support. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at linuxdowntime.com. You've kind of got into a lot of the details and the, the small problems that you have failing, and uh, you've addressed them to some extent, George. Well, trying the best I can. Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I think that Phalem's main problem stems from what you said very early on, George, and that was that you are a cloud-native person, and mm-hmm. you are applying cloud-native principles to the desktop. It's built with CI-CD systems, mm-hmm. and... Phalem is an old-school sysadmin. Careful now. Well, we've talked many times about the cloud versus on-prem and all that. Sure, but I mean, I'm not against automation. I use SaltStack to the max as best as I can, and I really hate that phrase, servers as cattle, not pets. It's ridiculous. I hate that one. It's just absolutely the most condescending (laughs) statement ever. (laughs) You can have a very prized fucking machine that is not a pet. It just happens to run a very expensive piece of equipment that you may only have one of. It's still a server. A server is a server. I love my pet. I love my Beagle. (sighs) There's servers out there, load-bearing servers that are pets that if they don't work, I'm sure the modern world will stop working. (laughs) When I say those terms, what I try to convey, hopefully it doesn't come off as condescending, is... does. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I can explain why I'm trying to not sound condescending is for most cases, when it comes to running infrastructure, you want to be able to make Budweiser, not microbrewery. I love beer, but sometimes you need that mass market scalability. (laughs) That's the worst analogy ever. Why? (laughs) Because Budweiser is produced after you've drunk a craft beer and it comes out the other end. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. No, but to, to return to my point here, the idea of it being built in the cloud 
with cloud native technologies, I think that that is a sort of inherent bias that you have against it, Fainim. Like you just inherently don't like that idea. And as a result, you kind of look for things to nitpick about it. I don't know whether that's fair or not. I mean, I'd be okay with CIDC systems, whatever, that's okay. But the problem I would take away is the fact that it's limiting in flexibility. Fair enough, they might not all be like this, but it's my experience with what I've tried. They're very sort of one big blob. This is what you get. And everything from that point onwards is, you know, you're either fighting that blob or you're layering something on top of it or... You know, I don't know what happened. I've never tried it with Kinoite now. Is this, what happens if I install a flatback of Firefox? Where's that going to end up? Are there going to be 15 uh, Firefox installs on there if I have 14 other users using my PC? You know, daft stuff like that. It's, it seems like a lot of duplication. It's supposed to be more secure, but I mean, how many strewn about copies of things is going to end up in all these containers all about the place? That's why I don't fully trust Docker images either, because I think that's just a lazy way for a developer to not integrate properly into the system and just go, oh, here's a big box. It works. It's like, yeah, loads of developers, they always say it works and that's all they care about. But they don't care about patching stuff or doing all the hard work of keeping a thing running. And I, I worry that that's what we're doing here. We're getting into this whole... The box works. If it doesn't work, throw it away and build a new box. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant, but we don't go into the nitty-gritty of why it didn't work in the first place. Well, yeah, I think the problem that you have here is that the cloud is inherently disposable and replaceable. Commodity. That's why I said Budweiser. You don't care. Yeah. Waste product. (laughs) But your desktop is the ultimate pet, arguably. Like, you, you tune it to be exactly how you want it, and... Maybe that is the big problem you have with it, Fadim. It's not a pet, it's a tool. And as soon as it starts acting cuddly, I'll be taken out back. <laughs> if you're a season system administrator, I'm not trying to convince you to switch to this. Well, I'm not convinced. <laughs> right, right. We know how to Linux. I'm not planning on hanging out and you being like, hey, I can't exit out of VI. Can you help me out? <laughs> you obviously kill it from another shell. I mean, yeah. like, I know. Like we talk about reliability and things like that. I can run an Ubuntu system and it will be totally reliable for whoever I'm running it for. I could be the sysadmin. What I am hoping people like us start to think about is when we realize that we are unique because this is what, what you do. You're like a Linux nerd. This is your job. That doesn't mean that I want to do that when I give a computer to my dad. So... The way I think about it when I'm making my image or whatever is this is something I can give someone that I know will read some dumb thing on the internet and they will try it and it will not work on their computer. Or uh, there was a skew in the NVIDIA driver version that day or something because sometimes people, they don't have that choice of their hardware. I wish I could get a reliable thing. Well, I have to buy you a new laptop. You're not going to get that stupid Optimus thing to work right. Just leave Windows on it. I don't know how many of you have ever had to make that decision. I actually got Optimus working. It works pretty well now. Oh, okay. I think there are two sort of paradigms here that are quote unquote competing. One of them is treating your desktop like cat only. The other is treating your desktop like a pet. And I, I want to relate this to a different industry making guitars. You've got the mass manufacturers that just pump out the guitars as quickly as possible. They're not handcrafting their own tools to make those guitars. They're buying off-the-shelf tools to make those guitars because they just need to pump them out as quickly as possible. That is a successful industry. 
On the other side of the coin, you've got the luthier who's been handcrafting guitars for 30 years down the road, and he hand makes all of his own tools because they're uniquely suited for his purpose. Both of those industries are successful and valid. They coexist just fine. You've got some people who want the cheap thing, and you've got some people who want the expensive thing. Both approaches get business. I think as long as one or the other desktop paradigm doesn't go away, I think they're both perfectly fine. Uniquely suited for different people who have different workflows. Right. Well, that is a a very uh, diplomatic way to end, Amleth. So thank you for that. (laughs) So we'd better get out of here. If you've got any thoughts on this, then you can email show at linuxdowntime.com. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, I've been Joe. I've been Gary. I've been Amalith. I've been Phelan. And I've been George. See you later.